Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. It's Dolly Sun, the handicap, good thing that leads. Thrown in at the weight and is duly going to win in tremendous style in the hands of Andrea Azzini. Bernardo had to buff it through, but he's now in full cry and he's coming away to win the Dubai Dewhurst Stakes. Simple Verse takes it up, no doubt this time. Simple Verse, the ledger winner, won the British champions for his and theirs. Postponed win the Dubai Shima Classic. Postponed in a classy field for the QE2 Coronation Cup, will win really well. Postponed is going to hang on here and wins the jump on from Highland Real. Decorated night comes sweeping through the field for Andrea Zini. Sanaveras and Andretzani, a fractional leader, Torsador, is making him fight every yard to the line. But again, it is Stradivarius in the Qatar Goodwood Cup. Hugh Gardner's just in front of Defoe, is running on very strongly on the far side, and beginning to get up here, and Defoe won the Coronation Cup. Pagyra Prince, though, flinging on grimly, and it's Pagyra Prince who wins the Skybet Evil. And it's been a tale of quiet, some would say unheralded achievement, but at the very top level now, stretching back beyond a decade for Andrea Razzani, who joins me now. Andrea, you must have enjoyed watching all those uh, highlights back. Which was the one that gave you the biggest buzz, just watching that little reel? Um, it was actually great to see um, Dali San winning the Tazarovic with David Simcock. I think I was only 17 at the time. And, uh, and obviously the likes of Simple Verse winning the Phillies and Mares and postpone what a great horse it was. Probably missed out on Kingston Hill. He was he was very good, but yeah. And then obviously see the the four winning the coronation, which is is a very good horse to to myself and the old team at home. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a good career so far, and let's hope it continues. Yeah, that's a, that's an understatement. And of course, there was a Stradivarius in there as well. You got a pretty good record on him. You won two Goodwood Cups and the Queen's Vars on Stradivarius. You could have been there today in Paris riding the horse, except your retainer meant that at the time you weren't able to go and come back, and then it all changed and Pellier was booked. It's been a frustrating time of it for everyone. Yeah, obviously I was... Um, I got a call to... I rose to very three times. I won the mm. Queen's Bars as a three-year-old, and I won two... I was very lucky to win two Goodwood Cups on him. He was never my ride, but chance I got, I managed to get on him, and um, he's been a great horse. And um, unfortunately, with, uh, with the eight days quarantine. of quarantine that we had to do at the time, I couldn't commit to him. Um, I was very... Grateful that obviously Bjorn Nielsen offered me the ride on 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 Stradivarius. This is even before he ran in the trial, and um, unfortunately I couldn't take it because I couldn't miss the eight days, mm. uh, especially with the new market, Phillies Mile. Yeah. So obviously, you know, I, I, I turned the ride down, and they managed to get Pellier, which is he couldn't pick a better jockey for for Stradivarius, I think, and uh, and obviously we the rules changed. It was too late. Like I said, Pelé was already booked on him, but uh, I couldn't get back on the horse, which, which is fine. Listen, I'm glad they, they managed to get uh, Pelé on him because I think it'll suit, it'll suit the horse perfectly and um, I'll be watching him, I'll be cheering him home. Will you be watching it or will you go for a long walk? No, I'll definitely watch it, man, for sure. You'll have to watch it. Will you be cheering him on? I will, yeah. I hope he wins. Uh, you know, it, it's, it'd be great to see the Philly winning, obviously, um, in April. I think she's unbelievable. And I think she's going to be very, very hard to beat. But, you know, Stradivarius, he's been a good horse to me. And, um, and it would be great to see, to see him doing it. Hand on your heart, if the pair of them came down to the 100-metre pole, 
together. Who are you cheering for? I don't know. It's it's hard because obviously, as much as I love to see Enable winning, because I think she deserves it, and she she's the best horse in the race. Um, I don't know. There's a soft spot for surrounding areas. Okay, I love to be on him, but I'm not. But it's it's a horse that, like I said, he owes me nothing. I rode him three times. He's, he gave me two Group One winners. He gave me a Royal Ascot winners. I can't ask for any more than that. And it will be great to see him winning. For him and obviously Bjorn is a good friend of mine and uh, yeah, I wish him all the best. I'm being very cruel, you're being very diplomatic. Let's um, let's talk about the man who rides in Abel Frankie de Tori because you, like he, are from Sardinia. Um, how much of an inspiration was he when you were when you were small? How aware were you of what he was doing over here when you were growing up? Um, it's funny enough, Nick, because I never grew up into racing. Mum and dad, they're Obviously, they are now, but they weren't into racing at all. My mum, she's a nurse. She was, obviously, now she's, she's retired. And my dad was a farmer, um, where we had no horses at the farm. And so I never really had a chance to watch racing at any stage in sort of my younger days. I probably started watching racing when I, when I was about 12, 13. I wouldn't know who Frank... I think, I think one day when I was about 10, I opened his book, and there was a picture of Frankie Dettori on these blue colours and... Uh, and that's probably the first time I actually saw a picture of him. And then, um, obviously, when I got into racing a bit more, um, at the age of 12, 13, and I started watching racing, and, uh, yeah, obviously, Frankie was the only jockey that I knew, really. Well, obviously, I didn't know him as a person, but yeah. he was everyone knew about Frankie, and then I looked up to him since, so obviously, I started riding, and... And even when I came over to England, I started riding. I didn't really know Frankie. We never really, we were never friends. I would say, say hello to me, say hello to me. We never really um, spoke much. But And then as I started to get better rides, I was riding better races, riding better horses. Then that's when we started getting close to each other. Yeah. And, uh, and um, we became very close friends. And now we go on holidays together. We, we, you know, we speak quite a lot and um, yeah it's, it's obviously a very close friend now now you've been to the palio together haven't you we did yeah yeah now but your history with the palio goes back a long long way and you could have ridden in the palio if you'd hung around in in italy you'd have been riding around the piazza in siena i could have yeah um i was always i was there when i was 14 yeah. um because i left school i remember me and my dad took me to watch the palio and i was supposed to stay there for three days three or four days and um we went to see this guy, which is Trecholino, which is one of the best uh, jockeys there. I think he's won 13 Palios. We went to see him, and he sat me down. He said, oh, why didn't you stay here? I said, I only had like, a small bag with me. I said, yeah, why not? I was only 14, and, and I said to... So I went up to my dad. I said, Dad, I think I'm going to stay. My dad was like, OK, that's fine. But and then I had to tell my mum, obviously. So I ran my mum, said, Mum, I'm going to stay here, and so obviously she didn't want me to, but... Because I actually had to go back to school because I was only 14 at the time. And you could only leave school when you were 15. So school was after my mum and they were trying for me to get back and I wouldn't go back. Because uh, you just wanted to be with the horses yeah, and I ride, the, ride yeah, these horses yeah, and get, yeah. them, get them ready for the palio. Yeah, and I was riding bareback. And I was up early every morning feeding the horses. And, and then, obviously, I did one of the trials. Um, I didn't even think I was allowed to do it because I think you had to be 18. But the, the guy I was working with, he'd like, he insured me or something. He paid quite a bit of money for me to mm -hmm. do that, like a little trial. And um, and I was offered to stay and 
if I had stayed, there's a good chance I could have written in Nepali. I don't know, because, but the only problem is I had to wait four years. And four years for me was a long time to wait. And, uh, and I was sort of already, a Botti family already sort of approached me to go and work for them in Milan. So but I couldn't go to them until I was 15 because they obviously couldn't insure me. So somebody had spotted your talent. Somebody had obviously seen you were, a, you were a prodigious talent at, what, 13, 14, and they were already trying to kind of sign you up. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's through my dad as well and, and friends because obviously I think when, when my dad... Because I remember asking my dad to buy me a horse. He would never buy me one because he thought, if I buy him a horse, he'd probably look after it for about three or four weeks and he's just going <laughs> to leave it with me. And my dad didn't have the time. Yeah. And he actually bought me my first horse when I was 10 or maybe 11. And then he realised that, that was it. that's all I wanted to do, be with the horses and you know riding horses. And then he thought, well... We'll have to try and uh, off you go. Yeah, find him a nice job and and you know try his fortune somewhere else. But uh, my my mum was never keen, but my dad was always sort of behind me. Uh, I'm I'm, f- I'm, st- I'm fascinated by the by by your experiences with these horses that you were you were training for the Pallia because the, these riders when they get to eighteen nineteen and if they if they do well they are really hero worshipped aren't they? Yeah, um, it, it's very tough because obviously in the Pallia there's only they only allow ten horses. To run, so that means it, there can only be ten jockeys riding. Yeah, and the pallia is only twice a year, um, so it's it's very hard to get in, and it's it's very hard to stay in the game. You know, um, obviously I've got my cousin. Uh, there's a great documentary about him on the called Palio. Yeah, I think it's actually on Netflix. Um, he's won it seven times now, and um, he's, he's obviously um, related to me and. Um, it's fascinating to watch because I think now he's the young up and coming and he looks like he could be one of the best in the business. And your cousin is Giovanni? Yeah. 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 And yeah. he's at Zaini? Giovanni at He's Zaini. at Zaini, yeah. 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 He's, he's actually a second cousin, but yeah, we, we are related and we're very close. Uh, how brave do you have to be to do that? Very brave. <laughs> I wouldn't be brave enough now. <laughs> Sometimes I get scared riding two or first time I wins and never mind going around the palio. But now nah, it's, yeah, you've got to be very brave. And uh, that's, that's the thing about my cousin. He just, He's not feared for anything. He just goes out there and... At the time, I would have done it. If you ask me now, would yeah. you do it now? No. I've, been, re- I've been spoiled now. You, 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 you know, also a postponed photo. You know, you can't be going around the palio risking your life. ridden too many fresh two-year-olds <laughs> yeah. as well. You, so you come to England at 15. It's young to be away from home, to be away from what sounds like quite an idyllic life as well. It sounds like you had a, you know, a nice childhood a nice comfortable childhood yeah yeah uh, uh, the thing is uh, Nick I was never asked to do it whatever I've done it was it's my decision yeah um so your parents were quite relaxed never, my dad was that's what I get that's why sometimes I can be very relaxed because my dad is like that my mum she was obviously you know what mums are like they want to go to school to become a doctor to become a lawyer whatever but I had no interest in to do that and um so yeah I left um, so I went to Milan when I was 15, for, uh, working for Marco Botti's dad. Yeah. And three months later, I remember I was doing evening stables, and Marco's cousin, which you know he trains in, 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 um, in Shanti, um, Alessandro, he came up to me and said, oh, would you want to go to England for a, a couple of months just for work experience? I said, yeah. And he just left. I didn't think anything of it. A week later, he said, look, we booked the flights. You're off to <laughs> England. I hadn't told my mum yet. So I'm ringing my mum, mum, I'm going to English. Oh, it's too far. I said, Mum, look, I'm in Milan. I'm still away from home. England's only about well, no, two yeah. hours, another flight, an hour flight. But yeah, so I came over here. I was supposed to stay here for a couple of months, and now I've been here 15. I'm 29. I mean, is that 14 years? 
It's, it's, it's safe to say it's gone fairly well, but yeah. you arrived here with not, with not a word of English. Zero. And it's amazing how quickly... I mean, I know you were young, yeah. but it's amazing how quickly but you got you up know, to speed. Yeah, it took me a long time, because when I first came over, I was obviously working for Marco, and I was leaving with Italian, so it took me probably a couple of years before I could start speaking English. Maybe when I started riding, because I had to deal with my agent and with trainers. And, mm. and, uh, but, but like I said, nobody forced me to do it, Nick. It was, it was my decision. Um, I remember when you were 15, 16, all my friends are going, going to the beach, going on holidays, having fun, and, and I'm riding out, I'm mucking out, I didn't even stables. But sometimes, probably eight times out of ten, you're forced to do something like that, but I wasn't. It was my decision. No one forced me to do it. I could have easily gone back home and chose a different life. But I didn't, and I'm, and I'm glad I didn't. The thing is, I, I'm intrigued. I've always, I've always thought of you, and you've slightly confirmed it as being quite laid back. You're not as intense... As, as some jockeys are, or well, that's how you come over. But then you have to marry that with the competitive instinct on the on the race course. Have you found that straightforward, that kind of balance to, to strike? You have to balance it because it, I think it, it is it's good to be relaxed and to be laid back. And Because um, you know what it's like in, in this game, there's a lot more bad days than good days. If you let the bad days get into you, it can't last. You know, you can easily get to your head and you can easily, you know... Um, you know, go around the wrong route, whether, for me, you have to balance, because sometimes I've done it before to approach a race where I'm, and I'm too relaxed, and you can easily make a mistake. Mm. You, you, need to be, you need a bit of pressure, you need a bit of, not too much, you have to sort of balance it. You need a little it. bit of adrenaline you, just you to do, yeah. you. You do, yeah. Like I said, I've turned up in the races where I was too relaxed, and your mind is probably not switched on as much as it should be, and you're not making decisions, you know, it's not as sharp as it should be. So you need to put yourself under a little bit of pressure, I think that's why Frankie he does he so good. He, you know, it's you can see him on a big day. Like he, he gets himself he a bit does, revved yeah, up. Yeah, you can tell he's he's not under the pressure, but you can you know he's, he's in a big race and he, he can't mess it up. And um, I think you got you got to balance it. You can't put too much yourself under too much pressure, but at the same time you have to uh, balance it and trying to you know to make it right. Uh, in terms of the most sort of important turning point in your in your early career what was it because it, from the outside it looks as if it's just been a kind of seamless smooth transition to being you know a regular at the top table um what was the what was the moment where you thought ah i'm off here um it was probably see obviously i was, I was with marco botti for i did most of my apprenticeship with them mm. and, I, and i actually did well as an apprentice uh Marco obviously supported me a lot, and um, but then just before I lost my three pound claim, I, obviously me and Marco sort of split apart, and I went on my own, and I was freelance for two years anyway. I rode forty odd winners, and then the turning corner is probably a, I have to say it was Roger really because I started riding up for Roger. Um, I remember Michael Jarvis obviously retired, and Roger Veron took over. And I remember ringing my agent at the time, which was Paul Clark. I said, Paul, can you ring Roger, see if we can go in just to ride work for him? I didn't expect any rides. Anyway, I ran Roger, and then Roger said, I'll tell Andrea to come and see me. Roger had no idea who I was. He probably, probably he didn't, I'd say he never seen me riding either. So anyway, I went to see him. I said, look, I said, Roger, I'm not expecting anything. I said, I just want to come in and ride nice horses. I don't expect any rides. And anyway, a month later, I gave my first ride. I think my first three rides for him with three winners. The following year, I was nearly stable jockey. And then, as you're lucked, Kingston Hill turns up. You know, I win, I win a maiden in Newbury. And 
we ran him in the autumn stakes, you mark it, he goes and wins. And then he turns up in the group one and raises both trophy. And at the time, you know, it was a group one, my first, I'd, I'd already won a group one in Italy. It was my first proper group one ride, on by obviously a good friend, Paul Smith. And to be fair to them, they stood by me and I rode him in, in, in the, in the Racing Boys Trophy and won. And I think that's, that, that is the horse. He's that horse, Kingston is that horse that every jockey, every young jockey needs. Um, he came at the perfect time of my career and I think he's the horse that sort of turned turn my career into better things. Turn things around. I think so, yeah. And he's a very loved horse. I know Paul Smith still yeah. absolutely adores Kingston yeah. Hill and, and Roger and, and you as well. And, and your love affair with Doncaster, of course, was kicked off by, by Kingston Hill. But it was a love affair that very nearly went, went sour in that, in, the, in that infamous St. Ledger. Tell me about that day. <laughs> um, yeah, like I've been very lucky at Doncaster, uh, you know, winning all the race race trophies and ledger. That day, yeah, it was obviously very sad because... I mean, this was the day that Simple Verse was disqualified, I should yeah. just point out for anyone yeah. who was in any doubt. But then she got the race back. Yeah, it, it, it was it's unbelievable because I, I remember... Obviously, I remember what happened in the race and it came back in and obviously there was a Stu's inquiry. I was... I was see, that's another mistake that I made. I was 99.9% sure that I wouldn't lose the race. Mm. So I went to the Stu's room... Listen, my English wouldn't have been 100%. And, he, and I was against Colin O'Donoghue, mm-hmm. which is... God, he was good that day. Oh, he's different class. He, he might be one of the stewards. Might as well be one of the stewards. And it was all televised. Yeah. I'm not, it's, yeah. it's the clearest memory I have of yeah. anything I've ever yeah. been involved with. Yeah. And um, I didn't think I'd lose it. Uh, like I said, Colin O'Donoghue, he was very good in there. He's probably the reason why... I, not, 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 not nothing mm. against him, but he, he talked so well in the stewards room that mm. he probably took, you know, he took the race off me. Yeah. Um, we came out. Anyway, the result came up. And uh, on camera, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was. Listen, it was hard, heartbroken, really. I didn't expect it to lose her, and you're losing a, a classic race on a filly for at the time, obviously, my 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 job with Chase Farding at Qatar Racing, and um, it was frustrating, really. And then, luckily, eleven days later, obviously, we appealed, and we went to London and. We got it back. I thought Colin was too good in the appeal. Oh, of course, he was. He was he <laughs> I thought he was too good. I thought he pushed it the other way by being yeah, too good. Yeah, no, he was. He was. He was. Um, I think one of the reasons why I lost that race on the day is because Colin was just was different class in Stu's room, and it was. It, a, it literally took the race off me. It was very. It was very very powerful. But as I say, yeah. it was. A, it was a rare low point that day for you yeah. in a in a, a sequence of, of great successes. It seems to me that you've just been able to make the right decisions when they've come along. You know, you still got on very well with Sheikh Farhad. You still ride for him if, if, if you need to and, and if he gives you the opportunity. Um, and then you sort of seamlessly moved into the Sheikh Mohammed Abay job, which, of course, came with an expansion of his string, a massive expansion of his string, and you're still riding for your old friend Roger Varian. Is it, cause, is it because something that you've done right in making the right decisions, or have you just been lucky? Or OK, I think it's all about luck. Well, I wouldn't say it's all about luck, but I was very lucky. So, because obviously I was, my first ever retained job was with Sheikh Mohammed Abed. Yeah. Um, when obviously um, Mr. Kamani used to train them and it was my first job. And then obviously Sheikh Fad and Qatar Racing approached me the following year and um, I ended up signing up with them and I had a... You know, we had good good success together. We, you know, we, we we won the ledger, and she won the fillies and mares, and 
Aero was very good, and um, and then obviously I got back on postponing the King George, um, and that year I was obviously riding for Sheffard, and I got back on postponing the King George, and I won the King George on him, and um, I felt like it could have been something special. Yeah. I thought, and obviously, and then I kept, because I kept very close contact to Sheikh Mahmoud Abedo, because I've always been, even when I was with Sheikh Fahd, and I've always been friends with, with the boss. And um, so after he won the King George, and I, I, like I said, I could tell, I, could, I, I thought this could be anything. Mm. And then Obeid was always, Sheikh Abedo was always um, very happy for me to go back to him. So anyway, I did one year with Qatar and, you know, Qatar racing and Sheikh Fahd and, and, and his brother, which I'm very grateful for. And um, luckily enough, uh, Sheikh Mahmoud Abeid took me on board and uh, now I've been with him now. This is my fifth year, I think. So it's all about horses, isn't it? It's all about... So Kingston Hill was a really important horse for you. Postponed was the other really important horse for you. And they're, they're the horses that have really propelled your career to where it is now. Yeah, every horse is important. From your from the first win on, on Marwayne, uh, Grey Lees used to be called Grey Lees to you know to my first listen winner to my first group one winner but like I said Kingston is a sort of horse that every young jockey needs is a sort of horse that could easily that could change your career and then and then you go like sort of postpone to come along is the best horse I've ever ridden I think on his day or a mile and a half on the grass it was as good as mm. any horses we've seen he um, was very good in Dubai he was very good in Coronation I thought he'd win the arc, and for some reason it didn't. But he was he was a champion, and now he's, a, he's obviously a stallion, and all his yearlings have been going through the sales. And uh, you, next week, it's amazing to think you're only 29. You know, so much has happened in in such a short career. Can you see yourself doing a Dottori and just riding until until you can ride no longer, or have you got plans? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna. I'll carry on and. and, and you know, so as much as I can for as long as I can. Um, I'm enjoying it. I love it. I think I actually can see myself one day maybe moving because I've always loved America and places like that. I, I go there most winters. Um, I can see myself if one day is not going as well as I, w- as I would have liked here. Mm. I can see myself moving there and end my career in America. I don't know. Who knows? But um, I carry on as much as I can and I'm loving it and... Um, Let's hope it continues. I'm lucky. I've got good jobs. I'm, I've got a great relationship with Shepard Mahmoud He's got some lovely horses, some beautifully bred horses, and you know you turn up at the top meetings, and um, and there's always going to be a chance that another postponement could turn up any time. So I'm just going to get going, and let's hope it continues. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. You've been listening to the Luck on Sunday podcast, the weekly digest of the best bits from Luck on Sunday, the programme that brings you the best guests and insights from around the racing world.